Hello, my name is Daniel Nenny, founder of SemiWiki, the open forum for semiconductor professionals. Welcome to the Semiconductor Insiders podcast series. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please post it on semiwiki.com and we'll get right to it. My guest today is Mylon Welling, the head of device and lab to fab realization and co-founder of the neuro-inspired computing incubator of EMD Electronics. Previously, he was senior vice president for Intermolecular. He led customer programs and operations where he drove the discovery and optimization of new materials, integrated module solutions, and leading edge devices. Milland is a senior engineering and management professional with extensive experience in advanced memory and logic technology development, DFM and design process interactions, new product introduction, and foundry management. His previously held senior engineering and management roles include DFM products engineering at Cadence Design Systems and high performance CMOS technology development at Sun Microsystems, Philips Semiconductors, and BLSI Technologies. He holds more than 50 patents and has co-authored over 70 technical papers, primarily focused on semiconductor process technology, device reliability, and integration. Welcome to the podcast, Milan. Thank you, Daniel. It's my pleasure to be uh, on the podcast. So first, can you tell us a little bit about EMD Electronics? Uh, yeah, sure. EMD Electronics is the electronics business of Merck KGAA Darmstadt, Germany. And this company is known as Merck internationally, except in the United States and Canada, where they operate as uh, EMD Serono in the healthcare business, Millipore Sigma in the life sciences business, and EMD Electronics in the electronics business. Uh, EMD, uh, or Merck as it's known outside the U.S., is a 350-plus-year-old company, and nearly 60,000 employees work in 66 countries to make a positive difference to millions of people's lives by creating more joyful and sustainable ways to live. So we are proud of uh, being a part of the EMD Electronics uh, fold and uh, happy to, uh, you know, uh, answer your questions moving forward. Great. Um, first, a personal question. Uh, how did you get started in the semiconductors? You know, what made you uh, take up this uh, discipline? Wow, that is uh, brings me back to the uh, to several decades ago. This is my fourth decade in the semiconductor industry, and I'm that rare breed of uh, electrical engineers who stuck it out with semiconductor devices and process technology development right from my undergrad studies back at uh, IIT Bombay in India. Now, computer science and coding was always the more lucrative option, but I have a pension for hardware devices and perhaps even elements and atoms. And so I wanted to stay in this area, but uh, back then, uh, I was a poor student and uh, needed uh, the financial aid and a full uh, scholarship to do my master's here in the US. And so I had to decide which university to go to. And uh, I actually had uh, two full scholarship offers from uh, University of Notre Dame and University of Hawaii. Uh, now, uh, if, if I were to ask anyone today, UH is obviously the easy option, but I actually went to watch a movie called The Black Widow, which is uh, you know shot, half of it is shot in Hawaii, came back and turned in my acceptance. So uh, that began my journey in electrical engineering, doing my master's here. 
And then I'm fortunate that starting 1990, I was able to participate in the evolution and revolution of semiconductors uh, that we've all experienced. I started actually back in one micron tri uh, triple level metal. And now that seems like a, you know, a century ago, but in a, it is uh, after that, I've kind of gone through tens of newer and harder nodes of technology. And uh, now we are talking always in terms of uh, nanometers instead of microns. So uh, quite a long journey, but enjoyed every bit of it. Yeah, I'm in my 40th year as well. So I think yeah. we're in, in the same era anyway. But um, so let me ask you, let's start off with, you know, what are the challenges for device innovation? and how do you overcome these challenges? I mean, do you have an, a eureka moment in the shower or do you wake up in the middle of the night with, with ideas or, you know, how does this work for you? Uh, that's a good question. The uh, semiconductor industry is an uh, incredible uh, juggernaut, has been powered by device innovations at its very core. Moreover, present day enterprises encounter immense competitive pressures and innovations are a key differentiator to maintain this competitive edge. Uh, there was an interesting article in 1994 by Steve Jobs in the Rolling Stone magazine. And he said it wasn't that Microsoft was so brilliant or clever in copying the Mac. It's that the Mac was a sitting duck for 10 years. That's Apple's problem. Their differentiation evaporated. So I think to the second part of your question, I think there is nothing magical about semiconductor device innovation. The second myth is that innovation is some sort of a eureka moment. For thousands of years, humans have believed in the in a fallacy that innovation occurs like a you know lightning strike of brilliance. It is generally believed that a person must wait for breakthrough ideas. He has to be lucky enough to receive a significant idea, must grab the most benefit possible from this uh, lightning strike of brilliance. And finally, that serial innovators and inventive geniuses are rare talents. Actually, all of these concepts are flawed. Much like other innovations, semiconductor devices, device successes have instead been a product of very structured innovation. It may even seem like boring, uh, you know, step-by-step -step innovation, but if you do it with that rigor, with that uh, patience, it's really structured innovation at its best. This actually idea is not new. It was nicely articulated in a 2010 Silicon Valley uh, Engineering Council article by Scott Burr. So uh, maybe there are some rare instances of an Eureka moment, but if you have to really plan for things, you should really plan for structured innovation. Yeah, I agree. You know, from my experience, it's just very hard work by some very uh, brilliant people. I mean, I've never met more intelligent people uh, than in the semiconductor industry. Um, so let me ask you specifically, what is the role of a material supplier in driving device innovation? You know, how does uh, DTCO relate to material supplier? Yeah, so... Uh, I think um, way back, maybe 30, 40 years ago, there was a hierarchy that uh, innovation perhaps uh, was uh, more at the higher orders of abstraction. But, um, you know, present day technology development focuses on 
methodologies that extend up and down the semiconductor value chain to all orders of abstraction. Such uh, you know, leading technology development strategies involve digital tools, including design interdependencies, such as DTCO or design technology co-optimization. And some are stretching the optimization to include even product and system level concepts, such as STCO, which is system technology co-optimization. So that's the, uh, that's the part of the ladder, if you will, uh, above devices. But on the other hand, device innovation is also a virtuous cycle of continuous co-optimization of ingredients that are under that ladder. And that includes materials, tag device structure, the operation of the device. You start with materials, which determine what is possible. Then you optimize the device structure to build what is manufacturable. And finally, you tune the electrical operation to ensure that the device stays reliable over its product life. You know, it's uh, maybe obvious to some, but not to everyone, that if you even breathe on a wafer, you create a native oxide. And that oxide will actually switch between two memory states. So by definition, that's a memory, but it's not a usable memory. The question is whether it will switch reliably over a billion plus cycles, which is what is expected today, and meet present day performance, manufacturability, and cost criteria. So a structured innovation cycle of co-optimization of these three criteria is the methodology that needs to be repeated diligently till the device uh, key par parameter indices or KPIs are met. And we see, do this um, actually internally within EMD Electronics with a group we have called Intermolecular. Actually, I was part of the Intermolecular team uh, uh, when it was a standalone public company and have uh, uh, stayed on after its acquisition by EMD Electronics. Now this team has many projects where, where and programs where you've successfully demonstrated use of device innovation capabilities in such a virtuous cycle to realize many leading edge memory and selected devices across various material systems. So materials are also a key component and that's where it all sort of, uh, that's where the action truly happens, right? Uh, at the, uh, the atom or electron level. And so everything has a role to play and everything uh, has to be innovated co in a co-optimized fashion for success to happen. Oh, interesting. So which applications will benefit the most from device innovation? Uh, also taking into consideration the trend of converging technologies like uh, bioconvergence. That's another good question. Um, so first off, I don't think device innovation is the monopoly of only a few select op applications. As uh, you know, system level requirements continue to get more stringent to drive scaling of performance, cost, manufacturability and reliability, device innovations are ne necessary for each of those uh, different criteria, as well as for each of those different systems and applications. And if you look around, this is the case for all applications, big and small. For instance, over the weekend, I was reading a Fortune article with the headline, 
AI tools fuel the 34% spike in Microsoft's water consumption, and one city with its data centers is concerned about the effect on residential supply. Now, in some ways, that this was a it was a tongue twister of sorts. I was trying to connect AI, water, residential supply. These are so it seem very disparate, uh, uh, you know, topics. But if you really think of it, um, you know, with AI, there is a huge demand on uh, performance and energy and things like that, and also on how do you cool the the chips that are running this uh, uh, AI applications. So now that's a problem looking for a nice device solution. AI is expensive and it can have an environmental impact due to its energy demands, both incoming as well as dissipative. So how about innovating devices which can operate at much, much reduced power with even better performance and speeds? There is that invite for structured device and materials innovation. Now, uh, to the other part of your question, converging technologies such as those with you know, life sciences and electronics, those also offer the promise, the opportunity, and also the challenges for some serious device innovation topics. And things like digital twins, things like uh, uh, you know, neuromorphic computing, these are topics, uh, you know, uh, things like uh, gene sequencing. These will require uh, convergence of different technologies which are individually demanding and when you put them together they make, make, make it even more demanding and uh, rather than being intimidated by it I think you have to really rely on a time proven technique of you know structured innovation for, uh, for for devices and materials. Interesting. So do you believe that technological progress in the semiconductor device industry has hit a plateau or do you see opportunities for further innovation? So I feel that uh, whenever you know we think of a plateau, we are also thinking of some sort of having reached some sort of perfection. And I think perfection can be the enemy of, a, of progress. So I think rather than aim for perfection and checking a box, one must target continuous learning leading to continuous improvement. For instance, technology progress can be can continue by embracing digital transformation. We can leverage more traditional digital tools such as simulations, multi-physics modeling, while also adopting new di digital tools such as DTCO, STCO, machine learning, and generative AI. With these, we can expand our exploration space, both in breadth and in depth, to identify the solutions that will drive new innovation. And every time you look at uh, new technologies such as uh, you know, generative AI, uh, you can you know, look at the world and say the best is yet to come. So I don't think uh, uh, I see a plateau in sight. Yeah, I agree. So how important is fostering a culture of innovation and you know, how do you create such a culture? I mean, you've been around for a long time, just like I have. You know, what, what are your observations and your opinions on this? So let's take a look at where the global semiconductor industry is heading, right? It's anticipated to grow to uh, $1 trillion in revenues by 2030. And that's doubling in this decade. 
This will be enabled by innovations in devices and materials at its core. The roadmaps of the electronic industry underscore the, this sort of target-rich landscape and a bright future for semiconductor devices. And for these roadmaps to succeed, companies, employees, researchers, essentially all of us need to adapt to and adopt an even more of a cultural renaissance of innovation. We need to be more open to learn and leverage new tools at our disposal, such as the ones I mentioned earlier, like machine learning, data and digital, and generative AI. So I would say, don't stop thinking about tomorrow and be a device innovator now and forever. Each one of us will be a contributor to this incredible progress, either as the innovator, the maker, or perhaps even a user of the semiconductor devices. And as these emerging devices not just survive, but actually thrive, I actually invite you to embrace um, structured innovation. And let's just leave Eureka to just being a coastal city in Humboldt County, California. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Well, thank you for your time, Owen. It was great meeting you. and. It's been a great discussion. I will also include a link to your most recent article in the podcast summary so people can follow up uh, there or they can go to the uh, EMD website. Uh, thank you, Daniel. It was a pleasure. I uh, really appreciate you uh, giving me a chance to uh, uh, share my thoughts with uh, you know, colleagues and the rest of the industry. Thank you again. That concludes our podcast. Thank you all for listening and have a great day.